Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us online at our sites at Bush Lake and uh, Mount West Tonka, the chapel. Glad we could worship together. If you're a guest, just delighted you're here. You're here for a very special day. This is a blessing service. We haven't, because of the pandemic and all of that, it's been since 2016 since we've last done this, and they're always powerful and meaningful. We know that will be the case for you today. Actually, we wrap up this series, this beautiful series on the Psalms. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it immensely. As we looked at the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, and today we look at that last song. And the goal and the reason for doing it all summer long was this invitation for you to reclaim the practice of reading the Psalms, praying through the Psalms. This is what the people of God have done for centuries. I had lost that rhythm myself. A year ago, I picked it up and started doing it. It's been so life-giving to me in this last year. So if you haven't begun the habit and the practice of reading through a Psalm in the morning or sitting with a verse in the Psalms, let me encourage you to start today. You will find it to be life-giving. And today we're looking at the Psalm 134, the last in the Psalms of Ascent. It is the shortest of the psalm. It's a psalm that's all about blessing. And my message today is that the life that blesses God is a life that is blessed by God. That should cause you to think a little bit, this is what the psalm teaches today, but does it mean that God only blesses you when you bless him? Well, certainly, that's not what it means. In fact, we know that God blesses all people in all kinds of ways. We know the scripture says that he lets it rain on the righteous and the wicked. So God is about blessing all of the time. But what it does mean is if you live your life with the intention of blessing God, your eyes will be open to how many blessings he pours upon your life. You start to see that all you are and all that you have comes from him. They're his blessings. You see it and you give thanks to him for that. But then also, when you bless God, it opens up the door for him to bless you more and more and more. And I asked this question last week. How many of you want God's blessing and favor in your life? Raise your hand. It's the same as last week. Every hand goes up. We all want God's blessing and favor. In fact, after the the last service last week, a young couple came down, and they're on their way for a destination wedding. And they're going to get married. But they said, we really want to receive a blessing from here, from our pastor in our church. So right here in the front here in the Chanhassen campus, I laid my hands on them, offered words of blessing. And it was beautiful. Because the longing of the heart just hungers, it wants, it desires this blessing that God gives. And so we've prepared a blessing for you today um, at all of our sites, even at home. Um, We've got a blessing that comes from the scriptures, a biblical blessing. And I'm gonna have an abbreviated teaching time, um, allowing enough room, plenty of room at the conclusion of my teaching time for you to actually make your way forward. We don't do that very often, but come forward to receive the blessing that God has in store for you today. You can come for yourself, you can come with a friend, you can come with a spouse, you can come with your kids and have a family blessing. In fact, we've prepared the volunteers downstairs um, at a certain point in the service, you'll be invited. If you wanna go down and get your kids for a family blessing, come back up, you'll be able to do it plenty of time, no rush. If you're at home, um, we have prepared a blessing for you too, and I know many of you have kids because you're home, they may still be in bed, go stir them up for this, it's a very special service. Stir them up and we'll have a powerful blessing service together. Well. Before we get into that part of the formal part of the teaching, let's do what we've been doing through the whole series. And that is uniting together, standing as we read this psalm 
And uh, I hope you've enjoyed standing in the reading too. It's just a way of a posture of proclaiming our desire to follow the Lord this way. So join your voices with mine and let's read Psalm 134. Come, bless God, all you servants of God, you priests of God, posted to the night watch in God's shrine, lifting your praising hands to the holy place and bless God. In turn, may God of Zion bless you, God who made heaven and earth. You may be seated. You'll notice here that there are two declarations in this psalm. Bless God and may God bless you. The first one is to bless God. And what you're gonna see in the first two verses is the what, the who, and the how. Let's take a look at those first two verses again. Come, bless God, it begins. That's the what, bless God. But what does it mean to bless God? That was a question that I asked as a young Christ follower reading the scriptures for the very first time, taking my first Old Testament class, and the professor began every class inviting all of us to bless God. And that was foreign language to me. How do you bless God? I was aware of how God blesses us, but what does it mean for us to bless God? So I raised my hand and asked him. And I wasn't embarrassed to do that. I was a young Christ follower. I'm just learning to read the scripture because it was a foreign language. And he was gentle and kind. He didn't shame me at all. But he said, Joel, to bless God simply means to praise God for who he is and what he does. And to be blessed by God means to be affirmed and assured that you are a child of God, that he sees you, that he hears you, that he accepts you, that he loves you. So simple, so helpful to me in my life at that beginning journey of my own faith growth to learn the blessing that comes by blessing God and then receiving that blessing along the way. That's the what. But then you find here the who. All of you servants of God. So servants are the who. And it's specifically and particularly related to the next line, you priests. So servants and priests go together. You servants of God, you priests of God posted to the night watch in God's shrine. And so you have two expressions here on the you side of this. It's all servants, bless God. You have the you being specifically the priests. The priests come from the tribe of Levi. The Levites were responsible for the temple. And we know that they praise God day and night because of the night and day um, difference God makes in the people of God. So 24-7, they got the nod. They were praising God. Can you imagine just being postured in our site 24-7? And maybe it happens by the collection of all of us in our different places. They actually went to the physical temple place to do that. And then also we know that these priests are part of a reality that belong to us personally. It says, all you servants of God and you priests, does that just mean the priests of the Levites? No, it's all of the people of God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I am, according to the New Testament, called a priest. I belong to the royal priesthood. We find that affirmation in several places, like First Peter reminds us, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. And it continues, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. From nothing, we become something. 
from being a rejected people, we become accepted. This is the blessing that God intends for us. And what a beautiful blessing. All God's people bless God. That's the invitation. And how? Well, let's go back to the verse again. It says, lift your praising hands to the holy place and bless God. Now, are we in the practice of lifting our hands? Some of you are, some of you, that's kind of new territory. Let me just bring some clarity here. That what is most important is the heart. That God is looking for a heart that authentically worships him. So you can have people who raise their hands and maybe have a heart that's not authentically inclined to worship God. But he wants the heart first and foremost. So you could say that the, that the hands become an accent to the heart that wants to worship God and is worshiping God, it's an accent. So let me use a picture here because I think you'll understand this picture. If you go out to dinner at a Mexican restaurant and you order three enchiladas with enchilada gravy and extra cheese on top, that's what I ordered, could you tell? <laughs> I would call that good, wouldn't you call that good? But in my world, when I add sour cream and salsa on top, better. You get the picture? If the heart, I know, not all analogies are great. It gives you an idea, okay? If the heart is in a place of authentic worship, that's what God is satisfied in. And the accent to the heart, so don't make the raising of hands the standard of authentic worship. Let it be an accent, a compliment to what God is doing on the inside. That's the picture that you have here. And yet we understand that our comfort zones sometimes get invaded depending on the family of origin you come from or maybe the region of the world you come from. Northern Scandinavians are cold all the time so they're a little more reserved. <laughs> Latin Americans, I mean, they're warm all the time, cooling off all the time, hands free, flowing. That may not be your journey. We're more inculcating these habits in our family of origin. I come from a Lutheran heritage, grateful for that. And when I worship in the Lutheran church that was my heritage, um, it's a reverent, quiet worship, and I love it. But I don't recall ever one time raising hands for worship, not once. But we do bend our knee, and they have kneeling benches in that given place. Another form, our posture of authentic worship, flowing from the heart to the needs and to the hands in life and journey. And so we, we get this, we move into that place, it's an accent to raise our hands and to bow on bended knee. And yet if I take a step back and I think about why we have discomfort, I'm speaking to myself because I'm one of them, that it's taken a while for me to get free with my hands and let that be part of my worship. I've grown a lot in that, but it's not something that I was nurtured in. But I think about how how readily and how oftentimes we use physical gestures as an expression of our emotion and our praise. Like last Sunday afternoon, when the Minnesota Vikings were playing the Green Bay Packers. I was sitting in my man chair, and Carrie was sitting on the couch. And when Kirk Cousins threw that pass to Justin Jefferson, I don't know, I just didn't see it coming. I was shocked. I don't know what it was, but I jumped up from my man chair and put both hands in the hair and go, yes, yes. And this was amazing. My conservative Swedish wife did the same thing. I walked away. So I go, now why did we feel that freedom there? It was for a game. And this is for God. It doesn't seem like a big stretch when I put it in that perspective. But we're so conditioned by our history, by the habits of our own childhood and our life and journey. But a physical posture really does ignite something beautiful in us. In fact, 
Something happens when our hearts are, I don't know if you've been in this place before, have you ever had a moment like even, maybe you could be alone in your car listening to a worship song or maybe you're in home or maybe it's in a worship service and you can, it's like you can just almost sense your heart being free to worship and there's a gravitational pull. Even if your background is more conservative in terms of hands, you, you wanna open your hands, you wanna lift your hands because your heart is rightly aligned with that worship. But then sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like praying, get things to do, or to worship God, to begin your day there. And that is a perfect time when you don't feel like it, to actually open your hands because it ignites something from within. And all of a sudden you start to posture your life differently. Um, this truth came home to me 20 years ago. If you've been here for a while, I have this morning prayer that is my first express prayer of the day, and I'm grateful for it. And um, I get feedback every time I share it, and I thought I'm gonna share it again because it came to me out of a wrestling match that I had because I, I wanted to wake up with God, and I always woke up with a steering wheel in my hand and my agenda for the day. I need to control my day. But I wanted to wake up with God. But you don't control how you wake up, or do you? Do your habits allow you to wake up differently? So I started this prayer that before I would turn the lights on, the first thing I do is roll out of my bed, get on my knees and open up my hands and I offered to the Lord this prayer. I put it up on the screen for you. Lord, thank you for giving me life today. Do you notice? I didn't even realize this from Psalm 134. It begins with blessing God. Thank you that you are the life giver. The fact that I woke up today is enough to just say thank you, isn't it? <laughs> thank you, God. I got life today. I'm breathing today. Thank you for the life that you've given and the breath that you've given. Let me be who you want me to be. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me go where you want me to go. But when you posture your hands, all of a sudden, you're doing something without even realizing. You're opening yourself up to God. You're confessing your need for God, your dependence on God, and you're even opening yourself up for inspection. God, do you need to teach me something about my life? Have I been derailed? Am I a little bit off? How do I come back into place with your intention? I invite you to consider, it won't hurt, opening hands and taking that posture to see what God would do in and through you. So first, we call in this psalm, the first part of it is to bless God, and the second part is may God bless you. In fact, you're gonna say this, see the same rhythm. It's still the what, the who, and the how. We pick it up in verse three, and it says, in turn, may God of Zion bless you, God who made heaven and earth. In turn, if you circle that word, the life that blesses God is the life that God blesses. In turn, the life that blesses God, in turn, is the life that God blesses. That's, that's getting stated. It is the what. And the who is really pronounced here. Um, in turn, may God of Zion bless you. You, who is the you? It's you, who is the you? That's um, Dr. Seuss, a little bit of rhythm in there. Who is you? It's, it's a you that you can't see in the English here, but in the Hebrew, it's singular. Oftentimes you'll find it in the plural because we're created in the image of Father, God, God, Father, and Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have the triune, um, imminent, communal God. We're created in that image. But here it's a you. He, this God is the God who blesses you. 
So last week I introduced, and do it again for those who might be new here, that we have three values at Westwood, Jesus, people, rhythm, rhythm, referring to the rhythm of life. The rhythm of life is that God gives, we receive with open hands, we give away with open hands, and God receives glory, honor, and praise, and gives again. Last week we stated, God gives what? Fill in the blank, unity. Today is God gives blank, he gives us blessing. And then with open hands, we choose to receive that blessing or not. And as we receive it, we see that he wants to bless us more than ever we could think or imagine because our eyes are open. The doors are swinging for God to bring that blessing. And we can't keep it to ourselves. It's not for our benefit alone. We open up our hands to give it unto others as God intended. And God receives glory, honor, and praise, and he gives all the more. This is the rhythm of life that God gives and the beauty of the who that is part of the journey. And I'm so grateful for that. And you find here that the who relates not just to you, but it relates to God, repeated two times, God of Zion, the God who made heaven and earth. And you almost have to stop because this language becomes so repetitive off of our lips that we lose the awe of the fact that we are being blessed by God, the God who is our creator God, who made heaven and earth. Carrie and I took a couple trips um, this past summer and we were introduced to awe in new ways. We went to Montana for a few days. And I've never been to Montana in my life. And I don't know if you realize that Montana is the number one state in America for relocation today. And in my mind, before I went, I go like, why? Right, why would people go to Montana? And then you go to Montana and you go, oh, <laughs> it is spectacular. The mountains, the majesty of the creator of heaven and earth that creates this awe-inspiring goodness of blessing that blessed our souls and our journey together on that trip. And while we were there, by the way, we also went to a rodeo, which I'd never been to a rodeo in my life. I feel like I've cheated all my kids out of the rodeo experience. And so I just need you to know, December 9th at the Target Center is a rodeo. I get tickets, you going with me? You can't, you have to get your own. But come, it's really, really fun. And then we went out to Seattle and experienced the sea, the beauty of the sea, the beauty of the mountains, the creator of heaven and earth. And then this morning, coming into worship, I've held several babies. You want awe? And I, I hold that baby, and I'm telling you, I don't want to stop looking. What is it about a baby? You just take in the beauty, and you realize that they're breath comes from God. We do child dedication today in wonder of the breath that God gave to these little ones who become you and me. The breath of God breathed into us. Oh, have awe that we get to be alive in the presence of God whose intention is to bless us again and again and again. What a gift it is. And so I want to invite you this day to take us into our third expression, and that is simply to receive God's blessing. If we receive God's blessing, um, something happens. We're saying, God, we know you to be true. We know you want us to posture our lives to be available. We're going to receive it. In fact, in the scriptures, you will find from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, there is a biblical blessing that is offered and a definition of the biblical blessing could be as simple as this, and that is the knowledge that God is with you and you are loved and accepted for who you are. And ultimately, that's the desire of your heart. It's to be 
accepted and loved for who you are, not what you do, for who you are. And wouldn't you agree to me, we did, with me that right now in our culture we just have too much labeling happening. We have a mental health crisis in the United States, I think even in the world, especially with children and teenagers and young adults. And part of it is all the labeling that's taking place. And we have a very sensitive culture because we start to believe the labels that are given to us rather than the declaration of the God who made us and accepts us for who we are. And that is the longing of our heart. And you'll find that this biblical blessing has two primary expressions um, in it, in the scriptural layout of it. The first is there's a meaningful touch that comes. And in fact, if you, you have the absence of meaningful touch in your life, you're probably wondering if you've ever received a blessing. It's so significant that if a child, according to research, does not receive meaningful touch, um, they will spend oftentimes a lifetime looking for meaningful touch in all the wrong places. Why does a four-year-old child just welcome our hugs and meaningful touch is just so free, it's so easy, but a 14-year-old it's hard. Social research says that we stop touching um, children meaningfully by the time they turn 14 years of age. But do you think a 14-year-old needs meaningful touch as much as a four-year-old does? Certainly they do. You have to be sensitive because they're in an awkward place with you too. You, it can be an awkward way to know how to do it, but to be wise, to be paying attention, to be discerning and know that you're gonna provide that meaningful touch to a child, to a friend to a spouse. Meaningful touch is part of the expression that uh, Jesus offers as well. We see that blessing offered in Mark's gospel and he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and he blessed them and he blessed them. And we're called to be children of God so just put yourself in the lap of Jesus and receive that blessing. It's meaningful touch, the rhythm that he has for us. And it's just not meaningful touch. It's also the second expression of the biblical blessing is meaningful words, words that are spoken. And so it's not just words that are thought. And some of us grew up with parents or grandparents who grew up in a generation where putting words to feelings was a hard thing to do. So some of us have longed for that blessing, never received it in word. We knew the intention was there, but never received it in the word. But in the Bible, we actually find that the rhythm of biblical blessing comes through meaningful touch and meaningful words. God himself blesses the spoken word to his own son, Jesus Christ, in Matthew's gospel. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. He, Jesus made himself available for the Father's bidding to be the Son of God. It's, when the biblical blessing gets communicated, it's an affirmation of value, that you are important, that you are loved, that you are accepted. So let me just share a little warning here, simple warning, because it could be that value or spoken value um, is linked to performance. And if you grew up in that kind of home, the challenge that you've always had is feeling like you have to perform to get the blessing. And that if you don't get the blessing aside from performing, you wonder if ever you got the blessing at all. And so we're mindful that when we're giving the blessing, we wanna be blessed for who we are, not what we can do. 
And that's what God does. He affirms us for who we are, and he takes us where we are. He doesn't keep us there. He grows us up so that we can be in love like Jesus, but he receives us where we are. He's not performance-driven at that side of the um, presence of our Lord. He wants us to experience his love, his affirmation that we're valued. And that's why we've come for the service of blessing today. And so I wanna share just a few words of direction related. We wanna bless God in this time in singing and worship, but we also wanna receive the blessing. In a few moments, I'm gonna give an invitation for you to make your way down. This is what will happen after that invitation comes. We will ask permission to place a hand on your shoulder and then we'll share a blessing. The blessing is a biblical blessing, meaning it comes from Psalm 121 today, and it's the word of God for your life. It's brief, beautiful, it's wonderful, we all need it, you'll be invited to come to do that. And who is invited? Everyone's invited. If you're out in West Tonka, you're invited, Bush Lake, if you're, you're invited in the chapel, as well as online. Pastor Zach is ready to offer um, the biblical blessing to you, you'll get that instruction, and if you wanna get your kids, you can do that, which by the way, it is for you personally, if you just wanna come up that way, if you wanna come with a friend or a spouse, if you wanna come with your family, do so. No rush, we've invited the volunteers at all of our sites to be prepared that there will be parents who will come and receive their children because you wanna come and receive the blessing and you're welcome to do that. We'll wait for you um, as long as is necessary for you to come. And after you come and receive the blessing, the invitation is, would you stay, don't leave. Come back into your seat because we're going to bless God. We're gonna to continue to worship in song and praise of our living God. And we'll do that together and then our worship leader will give us a benediction at the close of our time together. It's a special day. Thanks for coming. Are you ready to receive the blessing of God? I wanna invite you to stand and I'll pray first and then you'll be invited to come. Just stand and uh, those who are the blessers can make their way to the front. By the way, the psalm is being shared by all of the same blessers. It's the same psalm. So know that and receive this prayer. Father, thank you for the invitation for us to bless you, knowing that it opens doors for your blessing in greater measure that we're blessed to be a blessing, but when we bless you, we receive even more and more and more blessing. What a beautiful rhythm. So we come as a humble people. We come with labels that we give ourselves, more or less what other people give to us. And we're reminded of the words of Henri Nouwen related to our identity, that I am not what I have, I am not what I do, I'm not what people say about me, I am the beloved son or daughter of the living God. Just to know that sets us free. So on this day, would you, with your eyes, look upon us and be glorified? With your ears, hear our blessings to you and be glorified. And with your mighty right hand, from your own word, bring blessing upon blessing to those who come to receive it. And for those who are hesitant, that's fine. Just stay, worship, bless God, and if you feel a compelling opportunity to come, please do. But Lord, we come because you're here with us, ready to bless, and we're ready to receive in Jesus' name, amen.